Like your head's going to be trying to keep you small and safe and talk you out of anything and tap into what it is. Like what's that intuition? What's that inner knowing? What's that feeling inside of you? And that's the voice that you have to pay attention to and shutting the volume down on all of the chatter, all of the, the, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to damage the kids. Like that's your head saying all, you know, trying to keep you safe. And I always ask women this question. I said, well, if your daughter came to you and had the same exact relationship that you have now, would you want her to stay? And a lot of women will say, absolutely not. Well, then why is it good enough for you, but not for her? This is episode number 578 with Renee Bauer. We're going to be talking about women coming out on top post-divorce. And this is a fascinating topic. We will be talking about mental health, all the things that women work towards after divorce, and maybe we'll compare them to men and how men do and all, all the good stuff. I'm Sandy Weiner, and welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you, I've written two books. Uh, the, the one that came out this year is called Choice Points in Dating, and it's about empowering women to make healthier decisions in love and in dating. And I realize that so many of us think we're not a choice. And this book really is a guide to help you with your choices. Um, I, I just have found people saying, well, you know, this is the way uh, I have to choose this type of person because that's how I'm wired or I grew up in this kind of home. And that's why I keep choosing people who are really unhealthy for me. But all of that can be shifted with the right skill set. And so who to date, how to date, how to think about dating, it's all in that book. And the second book is called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And this book is really about building your core confidence. I wrote this book really after my divorce when I realized that so many of the skills that I didn't have were things that I was learning as a coach and in the work that I've been doing. And so much of who we are is dependent upon how we show up in the world, the values that we have, how we stand by our values, how we speak up, how we set boundaries. And that's all in this book. So all of these are how-to, they're exercises, they're stories, and you can find them both on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. This week's tip from the Woman of Value book is let go of people who are toxic to you. Uh, if you are divorced, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, often when we get divorced, if you are divorced, you also realize that many of your friendships are kind of similar to the relationship that you held on to for many years. And in, even family members can be toxic to you. It's harder to let go of family members. I've actually done it with one of my family members because it just got to be too unhealthy for me. But I really want to encourage you to recognize that if somebody is really, really unhealthy for you, you really need to put some distance between you and that person and set very clear boundaries about how you want to be treated. Before I bring my guest on, I want to invite you to join Your Last First Date. It's my fabulous Facebook group for women over 40 who are looking for a positive place of support. 
we are a rare breed out there in the dating support world. The majority of people who come into these singles groups or dating groups are just there to complain and to talk about how bad the whole dating world is and how horrible men are. We don't believe that that helps you. And so I have seven incredible monitors who help me run this group so that the group is run. It's actually curated. Posts are not just posted automatically. We look over everything and we guide you through the process of dating and relationships in midlife. So if that sounds like you, join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Renee Bauer. She is a divorce attorney. She's also an international speaker and the author of four books. One is upcoming in September, She Who Wins. And the other books are Divorce in Connecticut, The Ultimate Guide to Solo and Small Firm Success. And she also wrote a children's book, Percy's Imperfectly Perfect Family. She hosts the annual She Who Wins Summit a live event created to inspire, motivate, and challenge women to move forward bravely in their personal and business lives. Her impact has been recognized by Success Magazine, where she was nominated as a woman of influence with awards such as the Litigator of the Year, Women-Owned Business of the Year, and New Leaders in the Law. She's been featured in many media outlets, such as the International Business Times, Comment Central, AP News, NBC, Fox, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to the podcast, Renee. Thank you for having me, Sandy. I am here for like the over 40, all the over 40 vibes. <laughs> I love that you said that. <laughs> oh, good. Well, you know, when I first started dating, I realized there was so little out there for women who were over 40. A lot of the dating advice was go, you know, manipulate a guy or, you know, go hook a husband. And it, it was so little for women our age and um, especially post-divorce where you really needed to do some healing. And so, so much of my practice is about the, the inner healing, building core confidence, setting those boundaries, communicating better and really coming out on top post-divorce. So let's, let's get into it. Your, your book that's published in September, She Who Wins, you say that women come out on top after divorce. So tell us a little bit more about that. You know, it's funny because I've been practicing law for 20 years now, and I noticed a trend where often women are the ones who are making that decision. And it's not because they are just are walking away from their marriage just without emotion. Usually they're, they're pushed to a breaking point where they feel like they don't have any other choice. They feel like they're not being heard. And what often happens is resentment festers and they get to this point where they're like, I, I need a change. And so by the time they get to the divorce process, they've already reconciled it. They've already made peace with it. So going through the process while it's, it's painful and it's hard when they come out, they're ready for whatever that next chapter looks like. And a lot of times the story is, I just want to be at peace, or I just want to come home and not feel like I'm walking on eggshells. And so they're excited for the future. Of course, women also have fears around money and being alone and how the lawn's going to get cut and all of those things. But just from a mindset perspective, they're like, okay, now I, I, I'm just taking care of myself and I'm ready for the, just to be by myself, maybe not even to start dating again. And I think men, one of the, I think the most common phrases that, uh, uh, 
male client I've ever had says is I felt blindsided. Well, you know, it, it's where you blindsided or we just not paying attention. And, you know, I'm generalizing here, but, but very rarely do I hear from a woman saying that they feel blindsided. It's usually because a man feels like this just came out of nowhere and they thought this, they would just be married and this is the way it is. So while they're going through the divorce, they have to deal with the emotional part of it and to reconcile it and to try to figure out what did I miss? How did this happen? And so they're a little angrier. And uh, when they come out the other side, they feel a little bit more lost. And often we see they jump right into a really quick relationship really fast because they're trying to kind of plug that emotional hole um, and they haven't really done the healing themselves. And I think generally speaking, women take a little bit more time for that healing process um, and recognizing that they need that space. And men are just trying to not feel alone. Very interesting, because I can totally relate to everything you said. I also have known women who were blindsided, for sure. I mean, I think, generally speaking, people don't communicate well in their marriage. And so there could be marriages where you've repeated the same thing over and over and over again, and you feel like you've said it ad nauseum and nothing is changing. I remember going to so many therapists and nothing changed. And that, that walking on eggshells piece is such, such a big one. I think when, when marriages start to fall apart, there's a lot of contempt and that sense of freedom that nobody's there to judge me, that nobody is there to criticize me in any way. And men do often feel lost. They feel like they need another relationship. I think there's another part to it that I'd love to discuss, which is, I think that women tend to take on a lot more roles in marriages. And so women who are cooking, cleaning, making all the appointments for the kids, making future plans, planning vacations, you know, doing a lot of the heavy, heavy lifting and the multitasking. And then men who were never, especially when there's not like an equal kind of marriage, if the men were not trained to cook or expected to cook or do any of those things, women come out on top because they already have that skill set. I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely think that that's what happens and especially what you'll see kind of that mucky middle of parenting of when you're, you're just, you're, trying to survive. You have kids activities and teachers conferences and bake sales and all of those things that often women are the ones who are facilitating all of that. They're the ones making sure that the kids have everything that they need for the field trip or the special dress up day or the bake sale and all of that. And so you're constantly, they're constantly micromanaging and doing so much at one time. So they're equipped When they come out the other side, they're equipped to pick right up and do that. And even if there's something that they don't know how to do, what haven't traditionally done, um, they can figure out how to do it. And, you know, the, the story that I share is when I was on the other side of my second divorce, I looked at my lawn, I was on a half an acre um, and I looked at the grass and I was like, oh, like I was never the one who took care of it and the grass needed to be cut. I'm like, what am I going to do? So I went out into the shed. It was a Saturday morning. I'm like, I'm going to solve this problem. And I picked up a weed whacker, 
thinking I was going to weed whack my whole lawn because I didn't have a lawn mower. And I figured out how to get the thing started. And I literally hacked up my yard. I would not, you know, I did not stop until I at least had some level of cutting down the, the grass. And then at the end of that, I'm like, I am never doing this again. But it was a moment of like, I figured out how to do it. It was a problem that needed to be solved. And when I didn't like that solution, I found another one. I think women are really good problem solvers. I think we look at, you know, we don't, we don't just pound our chest and say, we have this problem. What needs to be done? Like they're like, we look at things and say, how can we fix this? And I think that that is the difference where a lot of times men feel, um, feel lost. I mean, I look at my parents, like if my mother's not around and my father's left to his own devices for a little while, he's kind of like floundering, you know, and it's, it's because women so often are the caretakers and we just fall into these, these roles. And so it, when, when a couple finds themselves separated, the man has to then figure out how to fulfill all of these roles. And, you know, they're not, they haven't been used to it and they're, they're used to someone taking care of all of the details. So I think that that's what typically happens. Not all the time. Cause my husband is right now is the one who cooks. Like I'd be like the, you know, if something happened, I'd be like, I'm never eating again. I'm never eating a good hot meal again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting how I mean, I think it's actually healthy for people to take on roles that they're better at, or they enjoy more. And this question just came up in my Facebook group, where somebody's dating somebody pretty seriously, and they went on a vacation together. And he has ADD. So he's not great at planning. And she kind of got frustrated about having to remind him about stuff, having to plan and then replan. And then he wrote things down. They had a shared uh, agenda for the trip and then he would still not check it. And so um, a lot of people who have been in healthy relationships said, maybe he's just not going to be good at this. And what is he good at? And let him do those things. And so, yeah, I think, that a lot of times we just fall into roles. I think the problem is when you don't want to do this thing like cook every day and you have a spouse who also can cook and or a boyfriend or whatever it is and you don't divvy up the responsibilities. Absolutely. And that's where going back to your point that you made earlier is communication is everything. I think that, you know, in people people talk about what happened, why a marriage broke down and everyone likes to jump on like it was infidelity or something like that. And I said, no, that that happened, you know, steps after really the inciting problem, the inciting incident is lack of communication because someone wasn't communicating that they had a need that they need needed met and that either they were holding it in, not communicating it because they were playing the martyr or they were communicating it and the other person wasn't receptive to it. And when that happens, that's when you start to have all of that resentment. But if the couple can sit down and if you have two, you know, I preface this by saying you really need two people who are emotionally aware. If you have one person who is, who is not, it becomes really hard to have this open communication and be heard. Um, people get defensive, you know, that's a common reaction. But if you have two emotionally aware people and you're in a relationship where you can sit down and say, hey, there's something that... I need help with, or there's a need that is not being met that I have, and that can be heard in a safe space, then the relationship can move forward and everyone's aware of what each other's are. Like we, we can't mind read, we can't expect the other person to anticipate what we want. 
Um, and I think that sometimes we think that like, well, if this, if this, if planning this vacation and this agenda was really important to me, why isn't it important to them? And if it's not important to them, that means they don't care about it. And that's not what's going on at all. This person probably just has so much going on in his brain. And that's a detail that overwhelms him or frustrates him. And so what he does is he kind of like pushes it away. That has nothing to do with his excitement about the vacation. And, and it's just, if like getting to that point where you can understand understand each other's languages and say, okay, this is, you know, this is where, how we each show up um, and respecting that and working with that. And then, you know, everything changes because that lack of communication is where things start to break down. And I think that once you start going down that path, most people allow it to continue to snowball and then they, and they don't address it. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. I have friends that I see this happen to, and I'm like, just sit down and talk like talk it out. You can solve everything. And at the end of that, maybe even end up feeling more connected and more together than before. Absolutely. I mean, so many times we go, oh my God, this person's driving me crazy. And the simple question, did you discuss this with them? <laughs> and it's like, yeah. uh, no, I'm not a confrontational person. Well, this isn't about confrontation. This is about communication. I think people are so, so scared of hurting somebody else's feelings, yeah. of having a fight. A lot of people have observed arguments at home growing up that were violent, that were loud, that were uncomfortable, that made them feel terrible. And so that this is where a lot of people just think this is what confrontation looks like. And people avoid it at all costs. And we see this in texting, we see it in, in ghosting on in dating, you know, it's just so much healthier to have a conversation where somebody actually understands what went wrong so that we yeah. can work on stuff instead of, oh, you should have known. I mean, I grew up in a home with a lot of mind reading and I just, I called my mom the other day and she goes, I said, how are you? She goes, I went to the doctor yesterday. How come you didn't call me yesterday? I said, <laughs> Well, first of all, I'm calling you now. How are you? <laughs> what did the doctor say? I said, second of all, I didn't know you were going to the doctor yesterday. You didn't tell me what day of the week you were going. And like, stop trying to guilt me because I'm yeah. showing up now and calling you. So it's that kind of, I feel hurt because you should have known. And now you're a horrible person because obviously you didn't call me when you should have called me. And this snowballs that this kind of, now you made me feel terrible for calling you. I don't really want to call you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny because my, uh, my current husband and I, now we both came into our marriage, not like in conflict, like go figure my divorce lawyer who doesn't like conflict, but because I dealt <laughs> with it all day in work, I didn't want it in my house. And so I re recognized that's what happened. That was like, I was partially at fault for the breakdown of my first marriage is because I didn't address things. I shoved them under the rug because it was easier than having to deal with them. And so I own that, but I also went into this one saying, I'm not making that mistake again. And so we've had conversations to like create this safe space. Like, Hey, listen, if something bothers you, no matter what it is, no matter, you know, if you think the other person's going to get upset, we're going to take that time to sit and hear each other out. And it's just become second nature now. At first it was like, you know, a little bit of like, hey, can we talk about something? But then it became so comfortable. And, and there was a trust that we know that if each of us brings something to the table, that the other person is going to hear it in a really respectful way. 
but that took time and that took practice and like coming from each other, like that took practice for me to hear it the way that, you know, in the way where I wouldn't get defensive, but to also address it and say, this was important. So we need to talk about it. Um, and every single time there has not been one time that that has not turned into something good and turned into, uh, even being closer. Thank you for sharing that because I think it's important for our listeners to know, number one, you don't have to stay stuck in, I am not a person who does confrontation, right? Or I don't resolve conflict because I don't like it. And also saying that this is a big reason why other marriages end because we do bury things that the rug becomes very lumpy. We trip over it and we fall and that never works well, but also the value of working through it, that it takes time, that you have to really get used to somebody's not attacking me. I'm not going to die. Uh, this actually will bring us closer. And how do we say it in a way that's kind, connected? There, there are skills that people can learn. And that this is why I value teaching these skills so much because I did not have them. I did not grow up with them. And I always knew like there has to be a better way to resolve these things because I felt like I was talking to people who just would put up walls and not listen. And sometimes they do. And those are not really your people. Like if they're going to continue to say you're wrong and I'm right, then that's a, that's a good sign that you should get out Um, because you can't resolve anything. But if you're with somebody and where the intention is, we want to connect and we want to get closer and you both see that even with my children, you know, I, I've shared this on the podcast before, but just saying, I am coming to you as a friend and not a foe. You know, I love you. And that's why I'm having this conversation. It's a big difference than here. I'm here to attack you and tell you how small you are so I can look Mm -hmm. bigger. And I think that the, what you said was interesting and really important is that this is, it's not just you flip the switch and it's all like, this is just your new approach. It takes work and it takes practice and it takes constantly coming back and reminding yourself and checking in and grounding yourself like this is it's an evolution because so many of us have stuff that came from our childhood that that's how you know we get to make that decision are we going to repeat that or are we going to change things and part of that is acknowledging I don't want to repeat that and here's how maybe my parents did it and I'm not showing up this way and I don't want to do it this way so I'm going to do the work to change things and that is a constant constant just acknowledgement and 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 checking in with ourselves and kind of internally to say okay are we falling into the old pattern because so many of us have patterns from previous relationships that we fall back into when things get a little you know uncomfortable um and it's it's really being aware of that rather than turning around and just blaming the other person for it it's like okay where where how have i How have I shown up and how have I contributed to this? And sometimes it's not verbally, it's not the confrontation, it's maybe what we're not saying. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any of your devices. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com 
forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. Let's talk about this this uncertainty that so many people have about whether divorce is right for them. Because we're, we're talking about like sometimes talking to the person doesn't help. Yeah. So when you're working with women who are not certain, what do you ask them to help them decide? So I, it's so common for someone to come in and say, how do you know? And they want someone to give them an answer and they think that they've probably already crowdsourced opinions from friends and family. So they come to a lawyer and they think, okay, a professional is going to tell me what to do. And that's really the last thing that they need. And I I actually bring them through this three-step process as part of my book that I call the stop, drop and roll framework. But the first step is really just to turn, to turn off your head. And like your head's going to be trying to keep you small and safe and talk you out of anything and tap into what it is. Like, what's that intuition? What's that inner knowing? What's that feeling inside of you that probably brought you to the office to begin with? And that's the voice that you have to pay attention to. And sometimes it's getting really, really quiet and kind of shutting the volume down on all of the chatter, all of the, the, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm going to be alone. I'm going to damage the kids. Like that's your head saying all, you know, trying to keep you safe really tap into what it is. And I always ask women this question. I said, well, if your daughter came to you and had the same exact relationship that you have now, would you want her to stay? And a lot of women will say, absolutely not. Well, then why is it good enough for you, but not for her? And so when you kind of remove yourself from that way, that usually gives you the answer. So that's the first piece of it, of getting really clear on what it is that you're, you can call it your heart, you can call it your intuition, you're in a knowing, whatever you want to call it, but really paying attention to what that voice is. And then the next step is to, to move past, drop your excuses because you're the excuses are what most people get stuck in. This is where people will live for years in this place of I'll do it when I have more time, when the kids are older, when I lose 10 pounds, when the house is paid off, like all of the reasons why someone's going to delay and recognizing, okay, you're putting your life on hold. You're putting your happiness and your peace on hold for some other external thing to happen that really isn't going to make much of a difference anyway. So then you acknowledge what those are so that you don't let them be part of your decision-making process. And then the next step is to roll into action and just take the smallest step forward to what to do to move things along. Sometimes it's saying to your spouse, let's go to counseling. Let's change the current state of where we are and let's do that because otherwise you're stuck. Sometimes it's let's just file for divorce or make that appointment with the lawyer, whatever it is that you need to do to move you from a place of stuckness. Because Sandy, so many women live for years in this place of asking that question, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Years go by. And so much of their life has gone by where they have an opportunity for happiness and they're continuing. They can't get past those first two places. They can't get past those excuses and they can't get past getting out of their own head, talking them out of what they already know is true. Mm, These are great tips. I, I do so much of getting people out of their head and into their body and into their heart and into their intuition. We are, we live in that place. We live in the overthinking and overanalyzing space because that's it's actually safer for us to to live in the intellectualize it but it actually doesn't give us the answers that we're looking mm-hmm. for and i love the drop your excuses i have a former friend who 
every time I talked to her, can you believe what my husband did? Can you, I can't believe he threw me under the bus. He talked to my kids. He did this. He talked about me behind my back. And I, my question to her all over and over is why are you staying? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and she'll say finances, she'll say different things. It it's, makes no, I said, you know what? I left my marriage without a job. I left my marriage with complete uncertainty. <laughs> Yeah. I knew that what I was moving towards was more important than, you know, what I was leaving was more important than knowing the, the future. I couldn't know the future. And I think that's another piece is that I think a lot of people want this like certainty that I'm going to have, I'm going to, I'm going to marry this other person. I'm going to leave this person because some fantastic life is waiting ahead and it's going to be this fantasy dream. And I think when we can just say that, like what you said at the beginning, not walking on eggshells, having freedom, just liberating yourself to be yourself opens up the space for so much magic and wonderful things to happen because now you can align with who you are and stop trying to be something else and turning yourself into a pretzel to accommodate, to chameleon yourself. Um, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I it's, I, so I was in the same situation is that when I left my first marriage, I made the decision and I had just started my business, my law practice. So I was, you know, I was just me, I was working on a folding table and I think I could count the number of clients I had on one hand and probably half of them weren't paying. So I was like, it was that, Oh, what am I doing? And I had people who were close to me and people I love say, why can't you just be happy? What are you doing? Like, you don't even have to work. Like you could just sit back and I'm like, but that's not what I want for my life. So it all works out. And, you know, I think people have a hard time hearing that, that it's just going to work out. It's like, you keep putting one foot in front of the other. You keep looking inward as to what you can do to change your situation, maybe to earn more money or what, find a new place to live, whatever it is. But you look to yourself and stop looking at the other person to say, well, you made my life miserable. You need to support me. You need to do this. And, you know, those are the clients who constantly get caught in high legal fees and constantly going back to court because they're looking for someone else to solve all of their problems, their lawyer, their ex, the other person's lawyer. And so rather turn it inward and say, okay, what can I do to take back my life, take control of it, take power back? And, you know, sometimes that means getting really uncomfortable with things or, or mixing it up. Maybe your plan was to always be a stay at home parent and now things are mixed up and that's not a possibility, but like, look at the opportunity that that could present, like how empowering if you're in the place where you're not looking to someone else to financially support you and you can create your own income. Um, so it's like, you always kind of pivot and change the perspective on it. And, and instead of looking outward and say, all right, now, you know, now I have the power to do this thing and live this life. And is it scary? Absolutely. But it always works out. I've never seen it not work out with any woman who was afraid of taking that leap. Like usually they come back a year and reach out and been like, you know what? Life is amazing. I never knew that I was so unhappy until I found myself really, really happy. I would have just kind of lived in the status quo and they figure it out. I so agree with that. I had a friend who I used to walk with while I was still married and she was a divorce attorney. And the first time I was ready to leave my husband, 
I had pretty young kids then. And she said to me, if you can stay till the kids are all out of high school. Oh my God. I, right. I highly recommend it. And I was like, uh, I don't know, that doesn't sound right to me. And I actually tried to stay a little longer. I think I, I lasted maybe three or four more years. And when I got divorced, I contacted her. She had moved away. And I said, you know, that was the worst advice anyone has ever given me. I know you meant well. You probably have seen the absolute worst cases where kids are in court and they're they're being pulled in both directions. And I get it. It's just like doctors who say you should take out body parts because I've seen the worst types of whatever. And, you know, just do this, take your arm off because I saw somebody have an infected arm once, you know. It's, it's a very fear-based decision. And what it did was it would have kept me stuck so much longer. And I had to come to the conclusion myself. I, I was so afraid of ruining my children's lives and you know what's going to happen. But my children's lives were not so good <laughs> while we were married. And it got better post-divorce. And they tell me this all the time. Like, we got to know who you are as separate people. And they saw me blossom and grow. They, they basically did not remember me pre-divorce. I was such a small version of myself. And so being a model for your children, being a model of taking action, empowerment, like you said, is so healthy for children. And yes, it's scary. Yes, there is a lot of uncertainty, but waiting until you pay the house off, the kids grow up, all those things, you're financially completely solvent. That is not going to help you emotionally, mentally. And then I also looked at like, how old will I be when my youngest is out? And do I want to wait that long? Like the pic picturing being growing old with my husband was the motivation for me to get out. Yeah, I was like this, when I'm an empty nester, this will never work. It doesn't work now. It'll be even worse. There'll be no buffer. Right, right. Anyone who's listening, that is the absolute worst advice. It is you do not just stay just because. Be and to your point, your kids are watching. They see it. And so do you want to teach them that this is what a marriage looks like? This is what the interaction of a loving or, you know, or a not loving couple looks like that that's what they're going to go and model mm -hmm. and divorce. It's not a divorce that impacts kids, the conflict. And so if you're raising kids in is an intact family in a house that's high conflict, they're getting all of that baggage and that damage that they're going to go into their adulthood and have to deal with that. And it made no difference that you stayed together as a married couple. And, you know, people just think we just have to stay together because that's the thing that's going to protect our kids. And it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents did that. They waited till we were all out of college. And I remember coming to my mom at 16 saying, please divorce my father, like you both scream and yell all the time and we don't like it. And she was like, what? <laughs> and when I came to her and told her I was getting divorced, she said, how would you have felt if your kid came to you at 16? I said, I would have listened because I told you some really good advice yeah. and you didn't listen to me. Um, yeah. I mean, we know, like I, I had a mediator once who said children are like the doormen of the building. Like they, mm -hmm. they see and hear everything. <laughs> and they, so you think that you're closing a door and they don't hear the argument. 
they, they feel the silence. They feel the stonewalling. They feel everything and it affects them. You can see it. I mean, I have grandchildren now and I watch their faces when emotions change in the, in the atmosphere and how they behave. You know, we, we are like little sponges and pick up everything. It's so true. And you look, you, I mean, there are studies done on this and that, that conflict causes a, a whole world of say dysfunction or difficulties or challenges that they have in their own relationships. So, you know, if anyone's listening, you're on that cusp of like, what, what, what do I do? I'm trying to protect my kids. The best thing you can do is show them what, uh, each parent thriving looks like, uh, show them that you're, you're taking bold decisions in order to be happy, show them what a loving relationship looks like. Like those are the, those are the things that they take into their adulthood. And we hope that, you know, it, it happens in a way that the, that impacts them greater than the conflict that they've seen. Not everyone has conflict in their house and people get divorced and there isn't that level of conflict, but there isn't that level of love either. You know, if it's just because there's conflict doesn't mean if you have a couple that isn't, they're just kind of operating, they're almost like roommates and they're not seeing that affection and that, that type of relationship that impacts them as well. Yeah. My kids mentioned that more than anything. Yeah. And I think that more women tend to um, seek assistance, whether it's couples counseling or healing on their own. Why do you think that is the case? I think that women are better at asking for help. I think that women are better at saying like, I, there's something that I can't do on my own and I need outside help. I think that there's still a stigma to some extent. I would, you know, you would have thought that we would come really far and that there wouldn't have be as much. And I think actually the younger generations are far better at this than our generation. I think like I look at my um, my stepkids who are all in their early twenties and they, we talk about mental health and that stigma of therapy. And th that isn't there. Like kids are talking about that, but our generation, like you don't do that. You don't share that. You don't talk about it. You don't, you know, that's, that's stuff that you keep in your house and keep close to you. Um, and I think that a lot of men feel like it's a weakness if they have to go to somebody else and it's something that, that they don't want someone else knowing their business. Um, generally speaking, I, there are men who are definitely open to it. And, um, sometimes I have seen women be the ones who are a little bit more resistance, resistant to it. But I also like, I look at some of my friends who are in marriages that probably shouldn't be. And the truth is that they are, neither of them will take that step to the counseling. Like as couples, like they just, they, they've have this, if it's almost like, a, I think for them, because I was trying to figure out like, what is it? And I almost feel like it's a, if we do this, then we're acknowledging that our relationship is broken and we might be going down this path and they don't want to do that. And so it's easier just to ignore it and just to kind of live in a state of discontent than to actually have to put words to what's happening in their house. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I, I, I think it's so much a generational thing and um, cause I see, I just see the younger kids are quicker to ask to do that. And, you know, I, I don't know whether it's from social media and people talking about it and all the body and mental health positivity stuff that's out there that we just didn't have growing up. Yeah. I think that plays into it for sure. And 
I also see it post-divorce in the dating world that a lot of women complain that men don't go for help post-divorce. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, I've done all this work and he hasn't, and I want a man who's evolved. And what I say to that is, it depends on his mindset, even if he hasn't had the help. If he has a growth mindset and he is willing to learn, then he is somebody who can be trained like a dog, Um, but he can be trained to to be more open, to be more um, less less shut down in an argument, to to receive feedback and to give and receive feedback. Like we talked about before, like the ADD and the planning. If you say to a person who is open, hey, I would really love your support. How how can you remind yourself? Because um, you don't want to be the nag to remind the person. Um, I, I spoke to a woman recently. She's like, my boyfriend thinks I'm controlling. He thinks I'm a nag, but I'm always reminding him of everything he forgets to do. And I said, well, you are nagging him and you are controlling. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. how about letting him be part of this process instead of you just telling him what to do? And she's like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would love to hear some key tips for women who are going through the divorce process? Uh, first is education and information, because often where people have fear and anxiety, uh, men and women, uh, is because they don't know. And what they'll do is they crowdsource and ask people who they've known have gone through a divorce, or they'll talk about, you know, talk to a friend and the friend will be like, well, my cousin's aunt's uncle went through and this is what happened to them. And they get all of this misinformation. So first, get the information firsthand. And that might be sitting down with a couple different lawyers don't go to just the person who was referred to you. That person may not be a good fit for you. So go to a few different people and sit down. It's worth it. Even if they charge a consultation fee, it's worth it just to hear a different perspectives from different people and find someone who, who clicks with you, but just gather that and start to put together all of the financial information as much as you can gather before the process, because the lawyers are going to want to ask for that. You're going to have to gather it all anyway, but if you can start to put it together and start to understand, okay, here's what we have coming in. Here's what we have going out. This is what our debt looks like. This is what the mortgage. And you then you start to get a really good picture of everything that there is, because you never want to rely on a professional, even a lawyer to tell you what to do. Like you have to be to be be somewhat responsible for this. So when you're making a decision, you can make an informed one and you're not just looking to somebody saying, tell me what to do. You want to say, tell me all of the options. Let's talk through them. And then you ultimately can make that decision. So information, education um, is the first and then finding a community, some sort of support system. And, you know, going to your friends is great, but at some point they're going to be, get tired of hearing about it, or they're going to make things worse because they're inflaming. So find a a community like your Facebook group, Sandy, um, who has a, who has other people who are going through that same thing. I have, I have a Facebook group too, that's really for women in the process of divorce, um, where women are talking to each other in a really positive way and supporting each other. So it's finding a community of people who just get it um and or a professional therapy a coach something like that so you can have that support from someone who's been through that process so those are the two things and then lastly is allow yourself to 
feel everything, to grieve, to give yourself some grace. You don't have to have it all figured out. If you want to sit home on a Friday night on the floor and cry, then do that. Um, but on Saturday, get up and go do something, you know, like don't stay in that state of, of angst and fear forever, um, feel it and then say, okay, I'm going to choose to do something else. I'm going to choose to take that next step forward. Those are great tips. I hired a mediator at the beginning of our divorce process because someone had recommended him. And after like two meetings, I realized that I would not, not come out on top. <laughs> I was going to suffer financially. And he was, a, he was a really um, arrogant jerk. <laughs> and I, my ex-husband was like, I don't know, he seems great. And I'm like, no, we're not paying this guy anymore. We're going to each get our own lawyer. This is not working. Mm -hmm. And I, I made the call because I knew I would suffer. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you have to actually be out there trying it. Um, and it, it's helpful. Again, the crowdsourcing thing is just such an issue. And you've mentioned it a few times. We tend to crowdsource our lives, you know, oh, yeah. what do you think of me dating this person? What do you yeah. think of me making this major financial decision? Yeah. And your friends are limited, you know, professionals out there are, are skilled at helping you make decisions that are not based on emotion. They're based on knowledge. A professional is hopefully going to be honest with you and give you the, the right information so you can make an informed decision. We are at the end of our discussion. This has just been so helpful. And I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone, which is what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date? But we're going to talk about post-divorce here. Yeah. So I love this because when my current husband and I went on, on our, it, it may not have been the first date, but it was pretty early on. It might've been the second. I was so having had two divorces, I knew going into this that I was not going to make another mistake. And I was going in and being very open and honest about what my needs were and what I was looking for and what non-negotiables were. So we sat there and I went through a checklist of like all of these different questions to be like, hey, here, here, here's the deal. Here's this is who I am. And, you know, I want you to be honest about who you are. And if it doesn't work, then that's cool. We'll just have a nice dinner and, and be at the end. So I, my tip is to go in and don't pretend you're someone you're not be completely upfront. You don't have to lay out your life history. You don't have to do that, but you do have to just say, Hey, here's who I am. And this is, you know, these are the things that are important to me and what I'm looking for. Um, and in that honesty, that level of honesty right out of the gate is what sets you up for a successful relationship because no one feels like, you know, all of the, everyone's on their best behavior at the beginning and then things start to creep in and you, you know, you don't have to go through that because you're like, all right, we're going to be on our best behavior, but we're also going to be on our honest behavior and talk about the things that are important to us. So that would be my advice is honesty. Awesome advice. It's hard for people to even know when they're not being authentic sometimes, Yeah. but you're, you're not just talking about honesty. You're also talking about clarity and not being afraid to ask the questions and want what you want and walk away from what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. I see too many people who go in thinking, well, you know, he's, he's kind of looking for something casual, but maybe I can change him. And no, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So I love this advice to be honest and ask him to be honest and not brutal honesty, but honesty, mm -hmm. yeah. authenticity, like be yourself. Don't try to 
hide who you are. There's so much terrible dating advice out there that's manipulative, that's just be this other thing so that you can hook a guy. You do need to be honest. Otherwise, you're going to end up either you know, bait and switch at some point and go, Hey, that's not really who I am. I really want these things. And why are you so blindsided? Or you end up with the wrong person and we've all done that. So, (laughs) um, thank you, Renee. I know you have a free gift for us. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I would love to, for all of your listeners, I would love to give a copy of my book, um, out, which came out on September 5th called she who wins. And I would love to give a copy to one of your listeners who goes and rates and reviews your podcast and then screenshot it, send it over to Sandy, and then she'll let me know who to send the book to. Awesome. Thank you. And the uh, the email to send it to is sandy at lastfirstdate.com. And probably the best place to rate and review is Apple Podcasts. But if you listen on another podcast platform, you can rate and review it there too and send a screenshot. Uh, Thank you. And I know uh, just uh, give us your website, Renee, and then all your other links will be in the show notes. Yep. So my website is MsReneeBauer.com and I have a whole lot of freebies over there about um, divorce related and some personal development things too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this really rich conversation about really about empowerment, I would say is the bottom line is, is that there is a lot of uncertainty in divorce. There is a lot of scary stuff, but if you are going to go through a divorce and really you want to have your own personal freedom back, you want to have your life back all good things happen at the other side and take your time, follow the tips. There's so many great tips in this podcast about how to get through a divorce, how to navigate the whole process, go and seek support, go get the book, Uh, check out Renee's website and all of her social media. And thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And thanks everybody for listening today. If you love our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck, gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. 